Welcome to the Renaissance Brothers Podcast, where we help you live your best life as you reinvent yourself spiritually, financially, physically, culturally, and intellectually. We want you to know that after the darkness, there is light. So take a journey with two friends, Mike and Russ, and experience your own renaissance. Welcome once again to the Renaissance Brothers Podcast. I'm Mike. How you doing, Russ? Great. How are you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. It looks like we are in the fall. Thank goodness. It's my favorite time of year. Love the fall. It's my yes, birthday. Yep. Halloween. Halloween. We start off the trifecta of holidays. <laughs> it's very great. I love this time of year. The seasons change, the leaves change, kind of wind down. It's beautiful. Awesome times. Yep, and I live in the desert, so it's uh, it's nice to get some relief from the uh, summer heat. Yep, and it's things are cooling down here. Uh, I haven't mowed my lawn in a while. I've been spending way too much money watering my lawn, but that will change mm -hmm. since the rains will start to come, hopefully. Here in Oregon. Nice. Very nice. Well, we got a great topic today we're going to be talking about. You want to lead us out, Russ? Yeah. So let's start with actually one of the reasons for being of this podcast and actually the motto of our podcast. So with the Renaissance Brother, we talk about living your best life mm -hmm. in various different aspects. And really the motto we have is the Latin of post tenebras lux. And so what that means is light after darkness. This That's appears right. in Job 17.12. Uh, this phrase was adopted as a Calvinist motto and was subsequently adopted as the motto of the entire Protestant Reformation. It was used by John Calvin's uh, adopted city of Geneva, Switzerland on their coins. Mm -hmm. And there's a beautiful chapel within, uh, right in the center of Geneva. And in that chapel, there is this amazing stained glass window that has post tenebras lux. That's right. That is uh, put on there. And it's just beautiful. I've had a chance to live in Geneva for five or six years. And it is consistently in the top 10 as far as places to live in the entire mm -hmm. world. It's true. And Mike, you've been there too. Yep. Yep. It's a beautiful city. And it's, it's definitely one of these phenomena where you know, life is tough. Uh, I think that sometimes we look at uh, the pain in the world and the fact that this pain is inevitable. Uh, but what we're going to talk about today is some concepts uh, from a really famous book. And I think part of this is, even though pain is inevitable, uh, some of the suffering is optional. And we can get, uh, we can move in our lives to a place where we're not suffering as much mm -hmm. and we're enjoying life more. 
And so I think that's one of the, the principles here we want to talk about is after the darkness, there is light. There's another concept that a religious leader once coined that said that as dark as the night is, the dawn is irresistible and hmm. that it gets the darkest right before the dawn. I don't know if scientifically yeah. that's really true, but... Uh, I don't need. I don't either. But I've always heard that. But it it feels like that. That uh, it's always yeah. darkest of night, right before the sun comes up. Exactly. And so, I think we've all had our dark nights. But uh, today we're a- going to talk amen, about. Amen, brother. Amen. <laughs> so we've all had our dark nights, but today we're going to talk about moving into the light. And so there's a book by. Don Miguel Ruiz called The Four Agreements. And Mike, tell us a little bit more about this book. Yeah, this book's been out a while. I read it, um, I read it at least 10 years ago, maybe 15 years ago. Um, what he talks about is it's, it's based on some teachings from the Toltecs, uh, you know, in Mesoamerica. And uh, it's, it's really interesting. The Four Agreements are, are basically as he starts to talk about they're they're helping you master transformation by getting you out of a fear-based system into into these four agreements that help keep you from suffering and reprogramming your mind in the right way so it's kind of cool so what one of the first agreements is um is uh well, let me read a quote by Don Miguel Ruiz. He says the four agreements are a summary of the mastery of transformation one of the masteries of the Toltec, you can transform hell into heaven. The dream of the planet is transformed into your personal dream of heaven. That's his quote about, a book, about his book. So the first agreement is be impeccable with your word. Yeah, and that's, that's a tough one. They say that this is one of the tougher ones, but if we can honor this agreement, it can really move us to a, a different level. And so... When they talk about being impeccable with your word, it talks about speaking with integrity, saying only what you mean. Mm-hmm. Avoid using your words to speak against yourself or to gossip about others. And then use the power of your word in the direction of truth and love. And I like that. Yeah. Um, you know, they talk about why your word. Your word is the power that you have to create. Your word is the gift that comes directly from from God, and there are some that uh, you have that belief that the the earth was was created uh, by the word of, of mm-hmm. a deity, and it's how people express their creative power, and it's how you manifest sort of everything. And no matter what kind of language you speak, what you dream, what you feel, it's all manifested through your word, which is a very powerful so tool. True. So true. And, you know, it's like a seed. The human mind is very fertile. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes it's fertile for the seeds of fear. And what we want to do is, when they say impeccability, it means without sin. And so this impeccable comes from the Latin peccatus, which means sin. And then im means without. And Impeccable in Spanish. And what is it in French? Peche. Impeccable. In Peche. Peche. Okay. Peche. Peche. Okay. Well, so religions talk about sins and sinners. 
and you know, let's understand what it really means to sin. And so according to this book, they say a sin is anything you do which goes against yourself. And so everything you believe or say that goes against yourself is a sin. Mm-hmm. And the idea here is that when you're impeccable, you take responsibility for actions, but you do not judge or blame yourself. And, and so that's really something. If you can just be 100% transparent and, and be impeccable with your word where you don't have to think about things because you're always trying to tell the mm-hmm. truth. And you're not gossiping about other people. You're not gossiping about yourself or uh, talking about how bad you are at things or um, being self-deprecating or talking about the weaknesses of other people incessantly. Then your your word is impeccable. And if you have that agreement, uh, that's where you can really start to be free. And you can express love to other people because you have that love for yourself. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've heard that before where, you know, if I don't, if I'm not loving myself, it's really hard to love uh, someone else. And well, well how, how can we really love other people unless we have love for ourselves? You know, unless we understand what that means and how that feels and affects us, how can we use that to help other people and bless other people's lives? That, that's tough to do if we haven't experienced it ourselves. Definitely. Well, now the second, the second of um, of these agreements is called "Don't take anything personally." And what this has to do with is is you have to look and say, nothing that anybody else does is because of you. It's 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 them, right? What others say and do is a projection of their own reality and their own dream. So when you're immune to the opinions and actions of others, you won't be the victim of needless suffering. And a lot of times, I know myself too in my life, uh, sometimes I take things personally. And sometimes it's like it's hard because we don't control anybody or what they say. And one of, one of the things that Don Miguel Ruiz says is he says, ignore the opinions of others. And this is, this is something from his book. He says, whatever people do, feel, think, or say, don't take it personally. Others are going to have their own opinion according to their belief system. So whatever they think about you is not about you, but it is about them. Which I thought was interesting, you know? A lot of times we take everything personally, right? We take it all personally, and it just harms us in the meantime. Another thing he said was refuse to eat emotional poison. I thought that was a fascinating way to describe it. Taking things personally means that you become prey for predators. They can hook your attention with one little opinion and feed you whatever poison they want. Refuse to eat the poison. I had never thought of uh, poison as being what somebody is saying about you or, you know, something that's coming from them. I think it's an interesting concept that, uh, that somebody's projecting what they feel onto you and so if you take it personally it's kind of like if you're if you're in your strength of your person don't take it personally refuse to eat the other person's poison just because it's their opinion doesn't mean it's true right yeah that's a really good point i think uh, one of the more difficult times in my life was when i was going through a marital status change so a divorce and i had someone who 
I was talking with, I think it was a therapist, and they just made the very simple observation. They said, hey, it's all poison. So all the yeah. arguments, all the contention, things like that. He said, Russ, it's all poison, and there's no good poison. No, not at all. And that stuck with me. Um, and I was like, okay, how do I avoid the poison? Mm-hmm. And quite often, you know, taking things personally, sometimes we take offense to something. I got to tell you, I was teaching a college class one time, and there were like 28 guys in the class and one female. And she was really upset that she was the only female in the class. And she had kind of a chip on her shoulder about it. And she really took it personally that all these guys, you know, were uh, in the class that she only had, she was the only female in the class and she was very upset about it. And when we came time, we were introducing ourselves first day of class and she started introducing herself and she just had this attitude and said, my name is this and you can also call me this or AKA this or AKA this. And she had this attitude going on. And some of the, some of the people laughed because it was kind of funny how she did it. And she was just such a chip on her shoulder. And she started, she wanted to fight one of the guys in the class. She's jumped over, started to fight. I said, out in the hallway, please. Let's, everybody read in this page. Let's you and me talk for a second. I get her out in the hallway. I said, uh, what are you doing? We don't f be fighting people in class in college. Like, this isn't how it works, right? And she's like, well, they're doing this. I said, what do you care? It's the first day of class. You're the only girl in class. Yeah, so what? Don't take it personally, right? And that's, that's true. We shouldn't take stuff like that personally. Wasn't her, wasn't her doing that she was the only female in class, and, and it wasn't like anybody was even causing a stink about it. She had it in her own head this was a problem, so it was a problem. So don't, don't yeah. make it a problem. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, that is a real problem, right, um, where we sometimes have a lack of diversity, a lack of inclusion, and mm -hmm. we need to make strides for that. Um, but, yeah, it, it sometimes there's – that's the thing. we gotta, we got to figure out ways to – uh, to help to help battle that, and at the same time, uh, there is that idea that we don't really have to take anything personally. So a lot of times, I've noticed myself when something was was amiss, or when I think, oh, you know, someone's thinking this negative thing about my work or about something. Ninety percent of the time, I'm wrong, and I've wasted all of this emotional energy getting worked up about this and frankly the person that I was worried that would be upset at me they didn't think about me they could care less and so I think that's the thing and they say you know he, he who takes offense when offense was uh, you know intended or not intended is a is a great fool but he who takes offense when offense was intended is even a greater fool and so mm -hmm. I think there's a way to just let things slide and to yeah and to move yep. on and i've well, seen that well, and, and russ i was going to say a lot of times these agreements are supposed to be the the uh the solution to some natural fears that we have as human beings right and one of the things that uh, i've learned is that the fears that we go through and experience are usually of our own creation we're creating these things in our head and that are not necessarily true or will ever be true. We're, we're just, wor and a lot of times when we're worrying about things, 
we're making these things up. Our, our mind is literally making movies out of nothing, right? Now, there's things we should be afraid of if, you know, we're about to get hit by a car or if we're in danger physically for, for some reason. That stuff is to be, a, it's, those are legitimate fears, but most of the times I'd say 90% of our fears that we have are self-inflicted, you know? And part of that is is taking things personally. Sometimes uh, we base that on fear. Fear is this uh, common denominator that we have. And if we let it kind of ruin us, that we will take things personally. We won't be impeccable with our work, right? Definitely. And I think that goes back to what you said. You know, nothing others do is because of you. What others say and do is a projection of their own reality and their own dream. Mm -hmm. And when you're immune to the opinions and actions of others, you won't be a victim of needless suffering. Yep. Yep. I like that. What's the third one, Russ? Okay, so the third one is don't make assumptions. And if we, if we look at a domesticated donkey, um, I know a, I had a teacher <laughs> once who Wait, told did you me... See it? A domesticated donkey. <laughs> a domesticated donkey. What's a be... domesticated donkey? <laughs> <laughs> so that could be a mule or an ass. And they say that they might be the same creature, but there are actually some differences. But it's funny because they say that if you make an assumption, if you assume, it makes an ass out of you and me. Exactly. And so think about this uh, domesticated donkey. And none of us want to be a donkey. And I, I think about uh, Shrek here when he's talking about the donkey. None of, us want, none of us want to be an ass either, I guess. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> this is the idea. Wait, wait. Your homework, everybody listening, is you need to use the word domesticated donkey tomorrow. It's yes. somewhere in conversation. I, yes. I double dog dare you. <laughs> <laughs> Domesticated donkey. I'm going to call Russ up tomorrow and go, hey, what's up, Russ? Domesticated donkey. Done. Yeah, sometimes <laughs> life can be really a pain in the domesticated donkey. So let's, uh, <laughs> let's find the courage to ask questions and to express what you really want. And so, uh, you know, I, I make this mistake all the time with, uh, with people that I talk with, sometimes maybe my daughters or my wife or others, where I just make assumptions. And yeah. I was actually reading this book in Geneva this summer, and I was on the phone, and uh, it was like you know midnight my time, but it was probably in the afternoon uh, in Oregon. And um, you know, Lonnie was just uh, working with the kids, and she was like, "Hey, you know, I'm I'm sort of frustrated with the kids a little bit," and so we didn't really get to talk. And I read this book and I was reading this book, but I was all worried about like, oh, did I do something wrong? Or did, you know, is there, is there something going on? But there was nothing wrong. She was just, uh, you know, a little overwhelmed with, with the children, mm -hmm. which is totally normal. And uh, she's awesome wife and mother. Uh, but all of us get, you know, overwhelmed and, and have hard times sometimes. And I made the assumption that it was about me and I was taking it personally. And frankly, yeah. it was nothing to do with me. And so I think the idea here is let's be as clear as we can in our communication to avoid misunderstanding, sadness, That's and right. drama. Yep. So mis yeah, misunderstanding, sadness, and 
drama. And that's the idea here is that assumptions can set us up for suffering because we don't really understand. And so what, what then happens is we feel this need to justify ourselves, to justify everything and explain and understand everything in order to feel safe. But in reality, there is no such thing as safety. And Yeah. Um, yeah, what's safe? Well, well, and I think I think part of not making assumptions is you need to ask questions, and if you ask questions with real intent to find out like what's really going on, you might have that assumption completely wrong. I uh, when when I was working in Geneva um, at at CERN, one of our meetings we used to have every week was a just a just a staff meeting, and my uh my boss used to say he said this is type b management style and it was really weird because the first meeting we had we come in and as we started the staff meeting he said all right everybody let's go around the room and let's talk about how we're all feeling today and as an american that's really weird right we don't talk about feelings at work i mean that's that could be a sign of weakness that could be hey i'm bringing personal into the workplace there could be HR violations here or whatever. But everybody went around the room, and I was astounded because people actually shared how they were really feeling. Uh, one person shared, yeah, I, I drank a little too much last night. I'm a little hungover this morning, and so, yeah, I got kind of a headache. So, you know, take it easy on me today. I was like, wow. Like, nobody would ever share that in an American-style meeting, right? Russ, do you hear that at work? Never. People come <laughs> and say, I'm a little hungover, and I... Hope you know, talk sloth, softly to me this morning or whatever. You never hear that stuff, seriously. Yeah. And another not person said, another person said, um, you know, I've been fighting a cold for the last like a couple three days, so I'm kind of feeling a little sick. I might not be in tomorrow, um, so I'm just not feeling well. Another person shared. They said, uh, we're my husband and I are debating whether to put his mother into a. Uh, into an assisted living facility and we're kind of agonizing with the decision so we've been really stressed about that it's like wow i mean i was like wow people are actually sharing how they feel and what's on their mind and what's what they're preoccupied with today they came to me and i was like uh i don't speak french i got lost coming to work today <laughs> took the wrong bus <laughs> you know whatever um it, it was kind of hard for me to get into that but what was interesting is when everybody shared how they were feeling and where they were at, like you just didn't make assumptions like somebody's, maybe somebody's not getting their work done as quick as they should be that day. But all of a sudden, you know, they share where they're at emotionally or mentally. And then you kind of work together as a team. So on days when you're strong and maybe they're not, you still work together. And I thought that was kind of a cool way to, to handle it. It, it was kind of foreign concept to me, but it, it's, a, it's a very cool way to deal with things because we're all human and we have, we have stuff. So sometimes we might make an assumption that, hey, you know, if your coworker's late to work, right? Oh, you're just slack and you're late to work. Maybe they are dealing with, you know, a, an intense medical issue. Maybe they're dealing with some family issues. Maybe they're going through a divorce. Maybe something else is, is going on and it's up to us to be good human beings and not make assumptions so that we can communicate as clearly as possible. Maybe ask questions. That is a better solution for it. 
Yeah, well, and I think that vulnerability really brings power to teams, and it being it brings personal power as well when you're vulnerable, and you're really coming and and to the table as an as your authentic self, mm-hmm. and you're really trying to you're not going to be making assumptions, and so you can communicate cleanly and clearly, free of emotional poison. And one of the things about assumptions is sometimes we think that everyone sees the life the way we do. And we assume that others think the way we think, feel the way we feel, judge the way we judge, abuse the way we abuse. And this is the biggest assumption that humans make. And so if we can start to accept differences and appreciate differences and not assume, I think that's where we move to the next step here. Which is the fourth and we, do, and we and we don't become a domesticated donkey for sure. <laughs> for us, that's <laughs> see how I slipped that in. See how I slipped okay. that in. Okay, that's nice. <laughs> okay, donkey. Let's go to uh, the fourth donkey. agreement. Donkey. Donkey. Fourth, fourth agreement is always do your best. Okay, so your best is going to change from moment to moment. What what my best is today won't be my best tomorrow. It will always be different when you're when you're healthy as opposed to sick. If you're feeling good or or bad, or you're going through something emotional, it'll change, right? So under any circumstance, simply do your best, and you will avoid self judgment, self abuse, and regret. Okay, so a couple of the the points that he makes are number one is stay in the present moment. Okay, so if you keep your attention on today. And just stay in the present moment. This is the beginning of a new understanding, a new dream, as he puts it, right? And that's that's really interesting because we do exercises now, uh, you know, in meditation and things for being present. Because oftentimes we're always looking to the future or we're worried about something that happened in the past. But in all reality, we can't affect what's already happened in the past, right? And the future is uncertain. It's not going to happen yet, but the only thing we really can affect, if you think about it, is just being in the present. Right? Because our present choices affect our future. Forget about the past. We're done. Right? Yeah, <laughs> we definitely. We can't go back. And another point that he made was um, take action without expecting a reward. How often do we do things where we have an expectation of something that's going to happen to us, right? Why can't we just do our best and do it because it's what we're supposed to do instead of expecting something? So do your best and take action because you love it, not because you expect the reward. When you take action without expecting a reward, you enjoy every action. And you can even receive greater rewards than you imagine. I think that's kind of an interesting point. Quite often in life, it's like, what's in it for me? Right? We ask that all the time. What what do I get out of this? What do I get out of this? Have you ever done something just to help somebody else without expecting anything in return? It's a good self-question to ask yourself. That feels awesome. I think... There's a, there's a concept we have at work called under promise and over deliver. And so 
you know, it's talk less and, and do more. And I think that does fit into the whole doing your best concept. And I think that's the other thing is there's a satisfaction that comes from doing your best and knowing that, hey, it's enough. And I think sometimes we have a lot of guilt and shame because we feel like, hey, we're not uh, doing our best and we're not doing enough. But I think if we're trying to do our best and do what's possible given our current situation, then we can have that satisfaction that, hey, we're doing our best and we're doing enough. And I think that really life wants us to feel like, hey, you're enough. You're good enough. And the universe has created you with everything you need to succeed. And there's a, I have a friend who does a lot of of self-help and a lot of personal development. And his big motto is, you know, from Rumi, I think, which was a philosopher who Mm -hmm. said, always live your life as if everything is tilted in your favor or everything is rigged in your favor. And so I think if we find this and we're living these four um, agreements, so if we always do our best, if, you know, we're starting with being impeccable with our word, don't taking anything personally, let's not make assumptions, and always doing our best, then that's where I think the Toltecs call this a new dream. So it's a new way of life, and it's in Mm -hmm. our hands. And so they say that Moses called this the promised land, Buddha called it nirvana, Uh, Jesus calls it heaven, and the Toltecs call it a new dream. And so this is really a manifestation of uh, a better life. And instead of living in a dream of hell, you'll be creating a new dream, your personal dream of heaven. Mm -hmm. Well, and I I, got to say too, you know, if you're trying to do your best, you, you can't judge yourself poorly for doing that. You know what I mean? Now we may come up short, right? And, and Russ, you work with a team of people. Wouldn't you rather your teammates at work swing for the fences on everything that they do, even if they do come up short? Yeah, yeah. And I, I work on a great team, and you know everyone tries to pull their weight. Everyone, I think, tries to do their best. And that's when I see, you know, I think a lot of the people here do try and leave, live these four agreements, and that's where sort of the magic happens in our life. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, we can see things as uh, in the eyes of love and just see that, you know, this is we're living in, in love. It's sort of like water. You know, if you're a fish in the water, you don't really realize that there's all this water around you. And but then when you don't have the water, it's like, ooh, maybe maybe I need the water and yeah. maybe I'm really grateful for it. And, you know, humans have worked so hard to reach this point um, that this this happiness really is is possible according to the the author of this book Mm -hmm. well and there's there's magic that happens with boldness okay even if you do fail there's still something magical about trying like i said swinging for the fences right and i i think i think really what it what it boils down to in the end is keeping these agreements with yourself means living in the present, being your true self, and then making sure that at the end of the day, when you go to sleep, you're like, 
I can't really judge myself. You know, it didn't work out, but we'll try again tomorrow. And I can't tell you how many projects we've worked on at work where we don't know if it's going to work or not. You know what I mean? We try it. I always say, throw it up against the wall and see what sticks. <laughs> because there's, there's genius when you, when you take, and, and Tony Robbins says this, take massive action, right? You take massive action, you may be 80% of that may be wrong or in the wrong direction. But there's 20% of that that might come out and you go, huh, I never would have found this without this action that I've taken. And so are you in a better place tomorrow than you were today? If you keep these agreements that he's talking about in the book and you keep good with yourself, I think, yeah, you are going to be in a better place. And isn't that the whole key, post tenebris lux? Yes, that, that is moving from the darkness to light. Uh, I, moving from darkness to light, man. Yeah, and I remember that there was a, a gentleman who gave a talk once, uh, and he was a very successful person, ran uh, you know, a, lot of, a lot of businesses, had just a lot of success, and he said, hey, all the success I've had, I've failed my way there. And that, that really stuck with me, because he said I kept failing and mm -hmm. failing and failing, but then... Uh, there was sort of success. And, and so there's this quote by Theodore Roosevelt who said, far better it is to dare mighty things, to win glorious triumphs, even though checkered by failure, than to rank with those poor spirits who neither enjoy nor suffer much because they live in a gray twilight that knows not victory nor defeat. Mm -hmm. Amen. So let's make our victories count let's make our defeats count let's uh go through the pain that is inevitable but let's uh try and follow these four agreements and honor these agreements so that uh, our suffering becomes optional and that we can transcend it and don't be a domesticated donkey amen <laughs> amen <laughs> brother <laughs> Well, hey, it was great to talk this, uh, this time with you, Mike, and uh, we'll look forward to you next time. Thanks, Russ. All right. This has been another episode of the Renaissance Brothers Podcast. It's all about living your best life. For Mike and Russ, be safe and live well.